Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm Peter Steinfeld. Today, I'm talking with Ryan Williams, Business Resiliency Manager at Zillow. After serving as an Air Force captain and a security supervisor in Afghanistan, Ryan transitioned into the tech industry. Before landing at Zillow, he filled roles in security, crisis management, and emergency response at companies like Robinhood and Raytheon. In this episode, Ryan unpacks how he and his lean team integrate business continuity and crisis management into a unified approach to resiliency. Let's listen in. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. For those who may be unfamiliar, can you give us a bit of an overview of what Zillow does, just high level, and then more specifically, your role over there? Yeah, absolutely. Zillow is a app to find a new homes. We call it, Zillow actually comes from zillions of pillows that are out there for your head to lay on for your new home. If you guys didn't know that, fun fact. No, that's fun fact. Wow. Okay. Thanks for sharing. So Zillow, obviously a lot of people use it just to dream and shop for homes, but we're moving to more of a inclusive platform where you can do everything start to finish on buying a home from loans, insurance, finding an agent is the ultimate goal is where we're moving to as a company. My role, particularly there, I'm the business resiliency manager. Some companies call it the crisis manager or the business continuity manager. So I wear two hats. I got crisis management and business continuity underneath me. Doing that for about a year now. So far, it's going pretty well. Fantastic. Well, every organization is different. So with that in mind, what particular challenges do you face in the area of business continuity? First and foremost, I'm not a business continuity guy by trade. I'm more of the crisis management, incident management type of guy. So coming into Zillow to take on the role of business continuity manager was kind of a daunting task for me. A lot of the stuff for business continuity here at Zillow is around the app, keeping the app up and running, obviously. So I had to get real familiar with AWS, cloud services, making sure we're up and running in that, and then just talking to all the engineers and computer programmers that keep this app up and running. Another big challenge that we have at Zillow specifically is we're not just Zillow. A lot of people don't know that, but we're also Trulia, StreetEasy, Hotpads, a lot of different platforms out there that kind of provide a different customer experience on what the customer likes to see and things like that. But we feed all of those from the back end. So we need to make sure all those APIs stay up and running. All that information that's getting pushed to all those different platforms is working. And then for me personally, the big challenge is, is all these different entities, business units are still very siloed. They run their own show. And so getting that to function for my program where I try to look at Zillow Group as a whole kind of is challenging at times. That's interesting. So you basically have to repeat your efforts from group to group. It's like starting from scratch each time. So it's not just hurting one group of cats, but it's like multiple groups of cats. Yeah, or it's a lot of, I call it by reason or by force, getting everybody to adopt <laughs> into my plan. So we're using kind of the same language and the same platform, or at least for the business continuity piece of it. We're trying to move that again towards their incident response when we have outages on the app or any of the applications, it goes to the same office, the same responders, and we have you know the POCs and the different teams that we call it. So we're trying to standardize it, not just in business continuity, but in incident response. So is it 50% reason, 50% force, or more like 90-10? Well, I like <laughs> to use my skill set that I'm blessed with, so a lot of it's just brute force, and then 10% <laughs> when they just know they can't argue with me. So it is important to have those partnerships. I do joke around a lot. I think it helps people kind of open up a little bit more to me, especially business continuity. Sometimes it can sound like we're coming in to audit them or 
tell them they need to improve their process, things that they need to do. And I don't like to run my ship that way very much. Hey, how can we help each other? How can I help and support you guys to make sure that your program's up and running? And if there's an emergency, how can I help you type of a thing? So try to be customer service focused. That makes sense for the business continuity stuff and kind of opens up people a little bit more. Sometimes I don't laugh at my jokes, but you know. They appreciate the effort, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, you mentioned before that you're also responsible for crisis management, and that's actually your background. So what issues do you tackle there? Yes, the big thing for crisis management that I guess a lot of people are dealing with it these days is the remote workforce. So Zillow, instead of trying to get people to come back in the office, they actually doubled down on the remote workforce. Instead of having our HQ in Seattle where it was traditionally, the headquarters is now virtual, so they call it Cloud HQ, fully remote workforce. We do have a few employees that just by the needs of their job, they need to go in. But for the most part, 6,000 employees across the United States, including Hawaii and Alaska, they can live anywhere they want as long as they're getting their work done. So it's from the crisis management standpoint, the biggest challenge is how do I provide a standardized approach to all of the incidents that we have across the United States and that it's a quality response for the employees. It's not just something that bugs them, but it's actually something that can help them. And at the end of the day, we're helping them get through a crisis and getting them back to work faster. So So you went from having to be, I guess, responsible for a few locations to now thousands of them. If you think about all these people working out of their homes, how has that changed how you approach the job? Believe it or not, it kind of makes the job a little more personal to me. When you're dealing with individuals that are going through an event instead of just mass groups or the employee base as a whole, kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to the back end, what people are going through and things like that. Recently, the Maryland shooter we just had, for those of you that are familiar and tracking that, the certain area out in Maryland was locked down for over 24 hours where they were looking for an active shooter. It was a pretty bad incident across the board, but I did have an employee in the lockdown zone and I was able to reach out to her and provide her intel actually faster than she could get it from the city. The alert media messages were coming in. I was actually letting her know a couple hours before the news came out that the individual had been found deceased and that the lockdown was over. So she was actually able to go to sleep that night and get some rest that she hadn't been able to do the night before. So make it just more personal. So. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And it sounds like the management and the organization believes this will help people be more productive. Would you say that's a pretty fair statement? Yeah. I mean, I like to believe that employees that know that the company cares for them, they'll perform better and able to do their job and just have a little bit of peace of mind. I understand you just grew your team and getting leadership buy-in on new resources and additional headcount can be difficult. A lot of our listeners struggle with that. So can you talk about how you went about approaching getting these additional resources and what made the executive team say, yeah, you're right, we should invest more. Just like everybody, Zillow has kind of remained flat on their hiring headcount. So to get a headcount right now is a pretty involved process to get that across the finish line. So the way I approached it is I showed them all the threats and intel that were coming in from Alert Media actually, saying, hey, these are all the, the issues and things that are occurring throughout the country thousands upon thousands of of events and things that are coming in. I didn't filter it for them. Obviously, I filter what's important to me. But when I'm showing it up, just unfilter everything and to say, if we had, I was really looking for a threat intel analyst in-house to kind of help me prioritize our responses and hopefully be a little bit more proactive, not just in crisis management and business continuity, but in some other areas that we're dealing with. So I was able to get a a headcount and 
for a threat intel analyst on the team. So she started here recently, Courtney Klein. Fantastic, one of the best in the industry, in my opinion. The way we kind of went about it is just showing how much more we could do if we could prioritize the, the data and the intel that's coming in so we could have a better response when we're going out. And as you think about growing the team in the future, are there other things you want to do other than just thinking about the immediate safety of the people that work for the organization? Is it about maybe supporting the business to help them make better decisions about things that are purely business-related? We do a little bit of that right now and obviously would like to do a lot more as we kind of grow the team and we get some more capabilities or bandwidth in the team. So right now, if an event happens that impacts a large area or a large group of people, the fires out in Hawaii, the Maui fires was a good example. So those fires devastated a, a lot of families and a lot of homes. And so one of the ways that we can respond to that, first we check on our employees, make sure they're okay and provide them whatever aid that they need to be back up and running. But then we also reach out to our, our agents, our, they're called premier agents that work with Zillow to sell homes. We suspend their fees so they don't have to pay why they obviously can't work for our services. And then we also suppress ads in the area. So we don't want to be advertising homes for sale in an area that just got devastated. That's just bad form and really uncouth to be reaching out to people when major incidents has occurred. So we want to be sensitive to that. We want to be sensitive to those people that are experiencing hardship in those areas. So we'll suspend ads in there for a time and not push the premier agents. So we do a lot of that stuff for the company right now. Just kind of give them the intel of what's going on on the ground so they can make those decisions on whether to suppress ads and things like that which Alert Media makes it great. They'll ask me for an update for a certain situation, things like that. I can usually just go right to the page, go to the, the latest update, cut and paste that in there. They think I worked really hard on it, but I just plagiarized it. So <laughs> yeah, you guys' intel is fantastic. It, it's easy to understand and I can use that to push up to higher leadership and so they can make some more strategic level decisions. Kind of in the future, we'd like to, as we expand loans and things like that, we'd like to make sure we're tracking wherever those incidents happened or in-house. We make sure we're helping them best they can with the loan situation to help those people that are getting those loans in those areas and walk them through the process of the worst damage to the home, how they go about that and stuff like that. Well, as I listen to you speak, it really shows the point that safety and business are intertwined. When you look out for the company and you look out for the people, you're not just looking out for safety, which is obviously the number one thing and that's most important, but the downstream effect is also a benefit to the business. If you can provide intel about things, it can help the executive team make better decisions. And it seems like if you focus on not just the people protection side of things, but also on how you can help the business flourish when things get bad, they tend to really understand what's going on and want to invest in it more. Yeah, absolutely. I've worked for some companies that didn't have the greatest reputation from the customer base, so it's really kind of hard to, to deal with some issues. Zillow right now has a great brand reputation. Customers like us. People enjoy going to the app. Every time I talk to somebody, they say I work at Zillow, be like, oh, I, I use the app all the time. They're not necessarily house shopping, but just like me, you know, looking like, oh, where could we live and how much was that house? It's just fascinating stuff to look at. So if we can protect the brand reputation along with the health and safety of the employees, that's just a win-win and it just adds so much more to the program if we're able to kind of be proactive on that and get ahead of things and just really make sure Zillow is doing the right thing, not just for the customers, but just as a company. Well, what additional advice do you have for other resiliency managers out there that might be running small teams like you? The secret to running a small team, at least what's kept me afloat for this last year is I'm pretty upfront and honest 
with leadership, like, hey, these are the things we can do and these are the things we can't do. If you'd like to do more, you know, obviously I can provide you how much headcount or different tools and options. But it's just being upfront and honest with your customers, leadership, saying, here's what we can provide. And here's during a situation, here's the kind of information we can provide, things like that. I feel like sometimes if you set that standard too high or unrealistic, you spend a lot of time writing reports or tracking down additional information and not actually working the situation that, that's currently going on. So if I don't have to worry about providing extra reports up the chain. It's a lot easier for me just to say, right from the system, here's what's going on. Here's our recap on the people contacted. Here's the people that need support. Here's the employees that were marked safe. If I can do that with the click of the button, it just frees me up that much more to be actually be doing, you know, working the crisis and things like that. So, I mean, just being upfront with what you can provide and not trying to inflate it is one of the best things that I've done thus far here. And now that I get in some, some more brain power behind this thing, some intel and things like that, obviously we'll be able to provide a lot more going down that road. Well, saying no and setting expectations can be quite difficult for people. So how do you do it? Is it a personality thing? Can you learn it? Like, how do you say to someone, you hired me to do resiliency or safety? And that is, those are nebulous terms. It can mean so many things to so many different people. How do you, do you speak in threes? Do you say, I can do this, this, and this, but anything else, we got to hire more headcount. What's a good tactic people can use to better control this? For me personally, it it's kind of starts right out of the box. You know, when I was hired, establishing this is where we're at and just being upfront with everybody about it. I know a lot of people, it's not necessarily that they want to inflate their programs or things like that, but they want to try to show what they provide or what they could provide. And they never want to say no to somebody like you were alluding to earlier. And that's just a dangerous game, you know, never being able to say no. I'd like to say yes to everybody and provide to everybody, but that's just not realistic with where we're at. So just being able to control that information of like, this is what we can and can't do. And a lot of that kind of happens before crises and building those relationships, setting up meetings to show people the system. I set up several meetings with our HR team, senior leaders and all that stuff and said, this is a system. When I send up these alerts, this is what I'm looking at. Here's what we can see. Here's what we can't see. Just being totally transparent with them and not trying to hide the information to myself, play my cards close to my chest, so to speak. So definitely everybody kind of knows the systems out there and just really being transparent with them. So with all these different business units that you work with, are you meeting with them on a, like a regularly scheduled basis, once a quarter, once a month, or is it more just reactive throughout the day? It's woven into the culture of the organization. You're talking to these folks all the time. At a minimum, on a quarterly basis from the crisis management, just to make sure I'm compliant with uh, all the SOC 2 regulations and following up with each business unit on a formal basis, emails, business impact analysis, things like that, just making sure their stuff's up to date in the system. I have the right POCs. A company like this seems like POCs change every day. So at least a quarterly email to all the business units. And then there's some business units that are a little bit more proactive and they want to reach out and they want to do more to protect their brand and their piece of the pie. And so from business continuity and crisis, I'm able to provide some more tools to them. And a lot of them have been open and receptive to that. And I talk to those almost on a daily basis, trying to figure out best ways we can help them and, and they can provide the information and, and we go back and forth. So it just depends on the business unit and kind of what they provide and how willing they are to participate beyond my mandatory requirements into the program. Well, to switch gears real quick as we start to wrap up here, I know you spent a lot of time in the public sector, in the military. 
Can you talk a bit about the transition, how that went? What were some surprises? What was good? What was bad? And then what advice you would offer folks who are making that transition? My transition from the military, I was the captain in the Air Force. I had my master's degree, had all this experience. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go on and do bigger and better things. When I separated from the military, it was a lot harder to find a career than I thought it would be at the time. And I actually ended up going back to work as a contractor for Dynacor International back in Afghanistan, working for them for just a shy of two years over there. So my transition was a little rocky. I was able to find a job and things like that. But then uh, I was able to leverage my skill sets and go work for Raytheon and kind of build out their physical security program and and build that team and stuff there. Kind of the big thing, especially in the security crisis management, business continuity world, I think the military, at least when I was in and the career field I was in, did a very poor job of telling us what professional certificates were out there, what professional organizations were out there. I was security forces, military police, and I knew nothing about things like ASIS or employee safety conferences, any of that stuff that were out there that I should have been networking in long before I even decided to get out of the military. So anybody that's looking to make that transition, if it's security or anything like that, look at what professional organizations are out there, what professional certs are out there, get a mentor on the outside, you know, just jump on LinkedIn. Everybody's usually happy to help. Just be like, hey, making that transition in your world. What is there? What kind of education? What kind of certificates? I had none of that. So I grabbed myself some mentors and was able to figure that out. But it was kind of after... I had jumped, so it was a little bit harder to make that transition than I would have liked it to have been, I guess. Well, looking ahead, what will be the primary focus for you and your team? Yeah, so we're really trying to nail down when we send alerts and when what we respond to. We're really trying to put some rigor around our, our responses and have it not be so nebulous out there. And the team I have between Cass, who is my kind of my backup uh, on the West Coast, Cass and Courtney, they're some of the smartest I've ever worked with in the industry. So I'm sure they're going to be telling me what we should be doing. And, and I'm just going to be smart enough to follow them. But uh, <laughs> it's really just figuring out when we should and when we shouldn't respond and getting more of a 24-hour coverage too. For us as a small team, it's hard to get that 24-hour coverage without everyone just checking their phones all the time and stuff. And yeah, really don't want that for work-life balance. So I want to make sure I'm able to take time off and they're able to take time off, but we still have the coverage that we need for employees. So those are kind of the, my biggest release in the first quarter, second quarter for crisis management. And then business continuity, got some big plans there. A lot of tabletop exercises and kind of running senior leaders actually through scenarios so they can start figuring out in these situations, strategic level decisions that they, they need to make, not necessarily get down in the weeds, but they need to be looking at the bigger picture of why we're working the issues down below them. So. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I learned a lot from your perspectives. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. To learn more about Ryan and his work at Zillow, click the links in the show notes. Tune in next week for more expert advice to help you protect your business and people. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for Alert Media on YouTube. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.